Welcome to episode 240 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast, Summer Shorts and Favorite Fields. This is Observing the Sun. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers that love looking up at the night sky. And this podcast is for anyone else that likes going out under the stars. In fact, this podcast is for one listener in particular who requested a solar observing episode. Who's that person, Shane? Uh, Mike, uh, Mike S, uh, one of yes. our Patreon supporters, um, just recently, um, uh, sent us some communications and, and one of the things he's looking for is, uh, yeah, you know, some solar observing stuff. So should we jump into that? Yeah, that sounds good. People don't have to be a Patreon su- supporter, um, to, to request an episode. We've done it many times for other listeners in the past. If you, if you are a Patreon supporter, um, yeah, we definitely appreciate that support. But uh, if anybody out there wants a particular um, area or region covered or something, uh, we'll try to include it in a podcast if we can and, and haven't uh, covered it yet. So with yeah. that, Shane, uh, you are our shining star Oof. of the podcast <laughs> for this episode. So I'm going to hand it over uh, to you to talk about uh, our nearest star, which, yeah. is, which is not Alpha Centauri. No, no. The closest star is our, our sun. And the neat thing about the sun is that it's a very common star. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a lot of other stars in our galaxy. So if you decide to observe our sun, you're really, um, you know, getting an understanding of what all of the others or not all, but what a lot of the other stars look like and how they behave. Um, so, you know, I do a lot of solar observing. In fact, it's probably at least 50, 50, maybe even more. It might even be uh, heavier tilted on the solar observing side. Um, and, and the reason for that is it's just, I find it so much easier to observe the sun because I'm up during the day anyway. And, you know, I can pop the telescopes out the solar scopes outside and, you know, get views throughout the day. And it's, it's very easy. Um, so I really enjoy the sun. Uh, there's all, there's, always a lot of detail to see. It's always changing. And it's really topical right now because the sun is entering the uh, solar maximum, which means uh, there's a lot of activity happening. A, you know, a lot of sunspots, uh, a lot of ejections. And uh, as such, there's always details out there to see. Um, and Chris, um, what about the solar cycle? Um, is there anything you can uh, fill in folks about that? I, man, I do not know much about the sun. This is this is my gap in astronomy. I know isn't isn't the solar cycle like a ten or eleven year cycle, and then during parts of it we get sunspots, and during parts of it we don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a it's an eleven year period, and there's a minimum and a maximum within the cycle. Um, so we're coming out of the minimum, which means very little solar activity. There's no sunspots. Uh, as a result, we also have less aurora. Um, but now we're entering the maximum. So we're going to see a lot more sunspots, uh, more Aurora, and there's just more to observe. So now is the time to get into some solar observing. Um, there's essentially two ways to observe the sun that I'm going to talk about, and there's more, but, um, you can safely observe the sun in what's known as either white light or hydrogen alpha. Um, and you know, both of them, essentially what you're doing uh, is you're filtering out, um, you know, various frequencies of, of light, but you're, you're able to kind of peel the layers of the sun 
and see uh, you know different detail based on the filter you're using. So a white light filter um, basically exposes the photosphere of the sun. And what you're able to see with these uh, types of filters are sunspots, um, which are kind of the black, uh, you know, almost look like pock marks on the sun. Uh, they vary in size and shape. Um, sometimes there's collections of them. Um, and uh, they're, they're cooler regions of the sun. Um, and, and that's probably the most popular thing to observe with a white light filter. However, there's also uh, other things like granulation, light bridges, and faculae. Um, and, but maybe I'll just start with the actual filter itself. So mm -hmm. there's, there's kind of two versions of a white light filter. Yeah. Cause uh, you have to be safe when you look at, look at the sun, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Like you really, really have to exercise caution here. Uh, any exposure, if you look at the sun through any optics, um, you will, uh, cause permanent damage to your eyes without the right level of filtering. So, um, with white light filters, um, my preferred choice is a, uh, um, it's referred to as a Herschel wedge and, uh, Lunt makes them. I think Daystar makes them. There's a, there's a few manufacturers, uh, Bader makes them, um, and they, they just replace the diagonal in your, uh, telescope. So, um, you would need to use a refractor. I'm not sure. I don't think you can use them on compound telescopes. I, I think that that may damage your telescope. Um, mm. now I'm not hundred percent sure on that because I don't have a compound telescope, uh, but they certainly work well in refractors. Like I say, replaces your diagonal. It filters out over 99% of the, of the light, and it allows you to see the sunspots, the granulation, the light bridges and the faculae. Mm -hmm. So the other type of white light filter is like a, a film. Um, and I think probably the most popular, I think is the Bader film. Um, now you can uh, buy these filters pre-made or you can make your own. Um, they work well, but if you're using that type of filter, they do deteriorate over time. So before you actually use them uh, by pointing your telescope at the sun, you really should do an inspection to look for any pinholes or, or tears in that filter. Uh, because again, if, if any of that exists, you're risking permanent damage to your eyes. So um, that reason is why I prefer the Herschel wedge. It's the safest way to do this type of observing. However, I've done the film observing in the past. And um, you know, again, as long as you're doing that inspection, uh, you should be okay. Cool. So let's talk quickly about sunspots. So I did already, they're kind of those black marks. Uh, they vary in size, um, from really small to, um, sometimes larger than, uh, Jupiter. In fact, during the last solar maximum, I remember one in particular that was about Jupiter sized. And if you had, um, you, you can buy like, uh, eclipse glasses, you know, that just go over your eyes and they have that beta film in there. You could actually see that sunspot naked eye without uh, any optics uh, using those types of glasses. Um, but the the sunspots they uh, they do evolve a lot. They change in size. They rotate around the sun, um, so they um, uh, you know they can be visible for a period of time and then disappear, but reappear. Um, and then within, um, within the sunspots, there's uh, this umbra, which is the surrounding area. Or sorry, central is the umbra. Uh, the surrounding area is known as the penumbra. And this the penumbra is usually lighter. Um, but again, there's a lot of detail within those areas that you can observe um, if you're using um, a telescope and you have some magnification on it. 
Uh, the granulation that I talked about is kind of like almost like little, uh, almost like little dots. Some people say it can almost look like, like corn almost, uh, on the yeah, sun. I've seen that. That that's a good way to put it. It kind of bubbles up, but yeah, you're right. It does kind of look like corn, like, uh, what do you call them? Like corn kernels. Yeah. Corn kernels. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now this granulation can be seen with, uh, all apertures. Like I've seen it with my 50 millimeter refractor, which is quite small. Um, the granulation is usually easiest to see around sunspots. Um, so you'll, you know, while you're observing a sunspot, look around it just to see if you can, uh, observe this granulation. And, and most days I, I think you'll be successful on that. Um, another kind of neat feature, uh, and this is uh, a lot more rare but it's a, it's what's called a light bridge and it will, um, it will be present, uh, sometimes between two sunspots and it's a bright band of light, uh, that goes across. Now this one, you'll need a little more aperture, um, probably at least 60 millimeters. Um, and they can appear and disappear very quickly. So you, you really need to be kind of in the right place at the right time and have luck on your side. And, uh, you know, also probably, you know, be aware of very minor changes because they're not always super present, but once in a while you'll see like a little bright patch between sunspots. Um, and then I think the last thing that I'll talk about here for white light observing is, uh, known as faculae and faculae are just like real bright veins or lines, um, that are uh, visible on the surface. Now you'll often see them more towards the solar limb. And the reason for that is it, it usually, uh, like along the limb of the sun. So that's the edge. Uh, it'll be a little bit darker. So these brighter veins or faculae, uh, just appear uh, a little bit easier and they can be quite large, uh, you know, in terms of occupying the, or, or, or stretching across a large portion of the sun. And, um, these are similar in a way to light bridges in that they evolve extremely quickly. Um, they can form and dissipate over just like minutes. Um, so again, you know, right place at the right time, you can observe these. And I've, uh, I've seen these as well through my, uh, uh, 50 millimeter telescope. Um, so there's a lot to see with white light and, um, you know, compared to hydrogen alpha, I think some folks think white light observing is kind of boring, but really it's not, there's, there's an awful lot to see when we're hitting a solar maximum, uh, like we are now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to shift gears now, Chris, to uh, hydrogen alpha observing. So this is, uh, again, it's exposing a different layer of the sun. Um, and a hydrogen alpha telescope typically is purpose built for solar observing. Like you cannot use this for nighttime observing. Um, the other thing that I really want to mention quickly too, is there's, you can buy H alpha filters. Uh, and that is not the same as a hydrogen alpha solar filter. So do not get those confused. Uh, an H alpha filter is, uh, typically used for certain, um, uh, nebula that you want to observe at nighttime, uh, a hydrogen alpha telescope. Again, it's, it's very dedicated to solar observing. Um, and what it does is it reveals, uh, prominences, uh, filaments, flares, and, uh, spicules. Um, so again, I'll dive into all of these ones here in a little more detail. Um, prominences are just along the, uh, the edge of the sun all the way around it. Um, they're, they vary in size, they vary in brightness. Um, they can evolve quickly or sometimes stay fairly static. 
Um, these are some of my favorite things to observe with a hydrogen alpha telescope. Um, there's a lot of, there's, there's a number of classifications of prominences, um, but there's really two big categories. There's ones that, um, are what's called like long life or long lived prominences. So meaning they don't really change a lot over time. And then there's a second class, which is uh, just active prominences, um, and they can uh, evolve very quickly. Sometimes over minutes or hours, they can change a lot in appearance. Um, and uh, the the active prominences are um, usually things or, or uh, events where the sun is like ejecting things out into the solar system. Um, so again, they vary in in size. They vary in shape. Uh, sometimes they're sort of twisty patterns. Sometimes they look like wedges, triangles, uh, loops. Uh, there's a whole, there's a whole array of them. So if you're getting into H alpha or hydrogen alpha observing, um, it, it's probably worth your time to just look at the solar prominence classification charts that are out there. Um, and that'll help you, um, you know, kind of learn what is, uh, visible. Cool. Yeah. Next one here, Chris, is uh, filaments. And um, these are similar um, uh, to the uh, faculae that I talked about earlier. So the faculae is those veins of bright light in uh, that, that's visible with a white light filter. Uh, filaments are sort of veins of darkness. Like it's like dark, darker lines on the surface of the sun. And really what these are, are prominences, but they're viewed sort of, you know, from the top down. And uh, these can be quite extensive. They can stretch over large parts of the sun. And on any given day, there's uh, lately anyway, there's been multiple filaments uh, to observe. And um, it, it's quite neat because they're, they're always different. And they, again, they do change uh, sometimes quickly. Uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, they evolve a little bit slower over, you know, the period of a day or two. Um, another sort of unique event that is right place at the right time would be a flare. And um, what this is, is a, a very sudden brightening uh, observed on the surface of the sun or maybe close to the limb. Um, and it's usually a big ejection. So the sun is, uh, you know, sending a bunch of matter into space. Um, sometimes these can be the coronal, um, a coronal mass ejection or CMEs that some people might be more familiar with. Um, they can be difficult though, to see visually and are completely unpredictable. So if you happen to observe one of these, consider yourself very lucky. Uh, I've never observed one yet. Um, and I do spend a, a fair amount of time solar observing. Um, I'm not sure too, like I have a, my, my hydrogen alpha telescope is 35 millimeters of aperture. So it's not that large. It shows a ton of detail. Um, I'm not sure if flares require more aperture though. Um, the, the flares that I have seen have been online and, um, it's just like little video captures that other people, uh, have posted. Um, so they are neat. I hope to see one at some point, but so far, no luck for me. Uh, the last feature for hydrogen alpha observing is uh, known as spicules. And these ones are kind of unique. They're, they're like little jets of gas. They're, they basically surround the whole sun. They're right, they're right along the edge. And you'll need a little more magnification to see these. But uh, again, they're almost always present. And uh, sometimes they're a little bit uh, in, in some zones, they'll be a little bit larger. Uh, you know, again, unpredictable. 
Um, but it's yet another feature that you can try to observe with a hydrogen alpha telescope. Cool. Uh, yeah. So to wrap things up, um, there are a few accessories that I recommend for uh, solar observing. Um, you, having a sun finder or a solar finder is quite helpful. Um, you know, the sun, we all know where it is in the sky, but it's actually sometimes difficult to point your telescope at the right spot in the sky to see the sun. Um, so one of the best uh, solar finders that I've used is uh, made by Teleview. It's called Soul Searcher. Um, it's just a neat sighting mechanism that makes finding the sun very, very easy. Um, bring a hat, you know, if you're going to spend time in the sun, you, you know, you need to protect yourself from exposure. Uh, also sunblock is probably a good thing. And, um, you know, just like nighttime observing, bringing an array of eyepieces is kind of helpful too, uh, with different magnifications. I kind of like, uh, minimal glass eyepieces. In fact, uh, when Brian Ventrudo was on uh, a week or two, well, I guess I'm not sure when this episode will go out, but <laughs> when Brian was on, he talked about how he likes to use pretty simple eyepieces like plossels. Uh, I like orthos, plossels, uh, even Kellners are really nice eyepieces for uh, solar observing. Uh, what else can I talk about here? Um, maybe I'll just kind of wrap things up here, Chris, with talking about a couple of books that I really like okay. uh, for solar observing. Um, the first one here is called uh, The Sun and How to Observe It. It's by James L. Jenkins. And uh, this is probably my favorite uh, solar observing book that I own. Um, it, it, it covers a wide range of things that you can see on the sun, uh, more than what I've even talked about today. Uh, I think it even gets into like uh, calcium K observing and some of the other filters or uh, like dedicated telescopes that you can get to observe the sun. Uh, it has, uh, you know, classifications for the prominences. It, it's just a really, really good resource. So I, I really recommend this one. Um, and then another one, if you want to get a little more technical or a little more on like the kind of the physics side, but it, it's also like a really good uh, resource for uh, visual observing. Uh, it's called the Solar Astronomy Handbook. Um, there's multiple authors for this, uh, Beck, Hilbrecht, uh, I think Reinch and Volker. Um, so it's another good book and, uh, really recommend it. So Chris, I've, uh, I've kind of flapped my gums here long enough. There, <laughs> did I miss anything or do you have any questions or comments? How do you keep from getting a sunburn when you're solar observing? Well, yeah, good point. So again, you know, spray some sunblock on, wear a hat, uh, the other thing that I do is it's solar observing is different than nighttime. You know, nighttime, you basically sit in your chair at the eyepiece and you stay there for hours. Mm -hmm. The way I solar observe is I set up the telescopes. Uh, I'll probably view for five to maybe 15 minutes, but then I put the caps on the, the telescopes and the eyepieces and I go do other things. And then okay. I come back an hour or two later and I'll observe another 10 or 15 minutes to see how things have changed. And I just, do this throughout the day, or as long as my observing session will, will last. And, uh, you know, so just not being in the sun the whole time, uh, also helps with that. Cool. Yeah, no, cause I was, I I've done some solar observing before and, uh, yeah, it's the one thing that we're not really used to is just looking through the telescope. You get warm. Like usually we don't get warm with look through the telescope. Usually we're slowly uh, freezing to death. So it's a pretty yeah. big difference. Yeah. You, you can buy these, uh, solar observing hoods and, uh, it goes over your head 
So it protects you from the sun. But the other nice thing is you put it kind of over top of like the diagonal and the eyepiece, uh, which shields your eye from the bright sun and Mm. does help you to see a little more detail and and makes it more comfortable too. Yeah. I got to say, even though I'm not a solar observer much at all, I do, uh, you know, love to go and look through these type of telescopes. I'm going to say, um, Shane, that, you know, if people get out to uh, some star parties this summer, that's one of the things that you'll see people doing during the day. Mm-hmm. And even even if you're like me and you're not uh, going to be a solar observer uh, too much, and I've certainly done some, um, it's worthwhile to get out to the star parties. And I love that aspect of them. Like, and I know like when we've gone out, you've uh, set up your solar uh, telescope and to look through some of these, um, you know, particular filters that people have to actually go and take a peek through, uh, you know, th- through these instruments uh, that, that, that are relatively expensive and you, you may never, never otherwise get the opportunity to look through. So it can be a, a great uh, addition to, uh, to the star party experience uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great comment, Chris. Um, that, that is one of the best ways to, um, uh, enjoy the sun. Uh, and it also, you know, will let you know if this is something you want to pursue because hydrogen alpha is not inexpensive. You know, I think an entry level, uh, Lunt telescope is probably around 800 to a thousand Canadian dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not insignificant, but for me, it's well worth it. I really enjoy it. And, you know, like I mentioned at the start, my solar observing is at least 50% of the observing I do, if not, maybe a little bit more just because it's so easy to do during the day. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else that uh, we should include in our, in our solar observing session, I keep wanting to scroll down through your slides, but they're your <laughs> slides. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all. Uh, that's all I really have, Chris. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Shane. Thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to subscribe. And if you want to send us your own solar observing session notes, please send them to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.